I'm here with Hobbs Q of the Goblin Lore Podcast. Hobbs, thank you for joining me. Oh, thanks. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited. This is this is an exciting new format of a podcast that you guys have going on. Thank you. I'm glad to hear that. Um, we're obviously happy to have you. So for those who may not know you, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, so um, I'm Hobbs Q, uh, and like I said, I, what I do in my day job is I am a psychologist. So uh, uh, I do a lot within the magic community, but my, my real-world job outside of here is I, I'm a psychologist at a VA hospital. And I always give the disclaimer up front that uh, because of the wonderful thing known as the Hatch Act, that I am not operating under any official capacity as a VA employee while we are doing this podcast. Um <laughs> It's sad, but I do have to say stuff like that. Uh, it's just because, you know, it, it, it is kind of a an interesting thing being a government uh, employee and working in mental health. So, yeah, so that's that's what I do. I've um, been working at this VA for three years, but I've been in the VA system pretty much m- most of my career. So it's it's actually an interesting other area that I have a lot of experience with outside of the magic community. Uh, you have been the, one of the hosts of the Goblin Lore Pod for, I think you guys are, you all are in your, what, third year now? Is that right? Yeah, we're in our third year, June. June will be our third year. So we're actually coming up on that pretty quick. anniversary. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Um, other than the podcast, how, how are you involved with the magic community? I know you've been playing for a long time. Uh, tell us how you got started and how you ended up in podcasting. Yeah, so uh, I actually learned in 2002. Uh, so I was I had friends at college that I used to play with, and um, it, well, th- that taught me to play. And I so I learned in 2002 at at the point of when I was already like 23 years old. Um, <laughs> so I always kind of joke about it that uh, I I came to magic early. I think these days it seems early. Um, I was already fairly old when I came into the game. Um, <laughs> but uh, So I started playing there and I actually have been on Twitter and gosh, writing about magic or doing other things with magic since at least 2010. Um, I came to podcasting because the, 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 uh, the host of the Goblin Lore who has, has since left, um, Joe Redman, approached me with this idea, um, approached me and Alex kind of separately neither Alex nor I were kind of able to commit or so we thought said, well, maybe I can do it every now and then. And Joe kind of pressed us forward. And within the first couple of episodes, we just, the three of us were, we just had really good chemistry. And from there, yeah, we're going on three years of recording. Y'all's podcast has focused on the gathering aspect of magic, especially in regards to story or the impact of the, of the community on itself, um, as far as behavior, words, things like that. What do you think some of the lasting impact of the last year with COVID, with lockdowns, with some of the scandals that have just come out between players and wizards will be on the on the community? Yeah, this has been something that's been kind of an interesting thing to watch. You know, I think that seeing you know, we're now a year into no real in-person events. And to see, we've talked about this on the show, ways that people have been able to still engage with the community. Um, I think it's made some issues more glaring. 
Um, I know that we've seen kind of a lot more with everybody being kind of pushed to online and, and having even more interactions there, just even, I would say, more splintering within the community. Um, I, I think that we're seeing a lot more of the concerns and the issues recycle quicker. And I think that part of that might just be because there's little else to focus on right now. Um, we're seeing kind of this difficult things with understanding, you know, what does product look like when it's getting pushed out at normal paces, even when there are no person events. So, you know, I know that for me, it's always, it's weird to kind of think of we're in like pre-release for another set already. And I've never touched like half these cards. Um, I think that we're seeing pushback against wizards that I do think that they're making changes. I think we're starting to see some of what that is, but I think that people are being able to be more aware of it and to talk about it a lot more. Um, like I said, there's less, I just, I feel like people are spending a lot more time online. And I think that that both magnifies the good elements and, and the, the, positive things that people are doing in the community and really gives people a chance to engage and connect in new different ways. It also is going to magnify the, unfortunately, the negative side effects or the kind of, I would say more, uh, you know, I'm thinking the elements of our community that maybe are not as beneficial. Um, you know, even if it's just looking at, uh, I, I saw recently another Reddit thread popped up the other day of like pack one pick one of magic women which is exactly what we went through in 2017 and i think that seeing that a year of being this online i think is going to magnify stuff like that following that same train of thought with some of the less good aspects of the community that we've seen over the last year or so do you think that in general the communities making good progress away from that as far as calling it out, nipping it in the bud, uh, trying to make sure that type of behavior doesn't spread? Or do you think the community might be more regressing? This is where I think it becomes difficult because what we know is that um, – where I spend most of my time when it comes to the magic community these days would be Twitter. You know, I think that that's probably where at least a, a lot of us that I can think of just how big that community is there. We still know that that's also a very small part of the community. That's also going to be the more vocal parts of the community. It's going to be the people that are more willing to speak up. Um, it's going to be the people on both sides of kind of these situations that are maybe going to be magnified. Um, so I will say that this is where it becomes like, well, looking at my feed, I am seeing a lot of progress. I was actually talking uh, the other day with some friends about this idea that, you know, when I started on Twitter, I wasn't following a lot of players who are women. I wasn't following members of diverse populations. I wasn't following LGBT members of our community. I did not really know that, that you know, that idea that, that people who are in those communities really existed because who I saw in my LGS were, you know, straight white male for the most part. That's, that's who was going to the stores I was in. So from there to now, I have already seen just huge changes, even in going to events and who's there. Um, I think we are seeing people willing to push back and, and 
we talked about this on the last episode of the Goblin Lore with Princess Lily that, you know, if you have them willing to go into Kaldheim and put in, like, put in Kaya, put in Nico in a set that had the potential that everybody was worried about is really appealing to, say, the alt-right or to white supremacists, um, given co- sign of co-opting of Norse culture. And you purposely choose to, to go against that and to have a character that is labeled as non-binary be one of the faces of your product. Um, usually that is being done because, you know, I, I said it's a sad thing to say, but companies are willing to move that direction when it makes financial sense. So right. does that mean the community is more progressive? At least means that it seems more profitable to pay lip service to it, which to me, I hope means that my sad nihilistic viewpoint of capitalism aside, that it is because um, it makes more sense for them to do it. It makes more sense, even though we've seen a lot of missteps and we've seen a lot of walkbacks when it comes to things like Chandra and Nissa and all of those problems. I like to believe that we're still headed in a better direction. Um, at the same time, I've also seen over the, let's say, last year, a lot of people who really championed diversity and were you know, loud and about it, especially kind of after everything that happened last summer, in, I think around here in Minneapolis, um, oh that that kind of faded off of their radar. So people, probably some of the bigger creators that I really was hoping to see make like sweeping changes from that level you know it 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 it, it's not still being talked about to the same level as it was um some of the momentum has 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 dialed back now are we ahead of where we were a year ago i don't know it's fair enough i think we're all hoping that uh it's an indicator that things are trending progressively even if it is not at a high pace um while we're on that topic what do you think that the community at large because obviously you know some creators are going to have larger platforms or some players are going to have larger platforms what do you think that the community at large could be doing to uh better itself as far as issues with diversity or just treating people like people so one of the things that i harp on a lot is language and you kind of mentioned you made you alluded a little bit to just like the goblin lore podcast talking about language when it comes to either stigma or to you know to me it's how you are phrasing things i think that we've seen kind of the hype outrage cycle is i've i've you heard you know like heard people refer to it as i've heard you know creators talk about that idea that it's like we we we, we tend to vacillate between this like hype about a project and then outrage about something. But the problem is that we're, we're swinging and um, that's what gets clicks, right? You know, that's what gets, you know, um, more level-headed approaches, maybe asking questions, don't get the same response as Wizards is doing this wrong or Wizards is doing this amazing. Either version of that doesn't really get done. And I've seen, I believe, some larger, people who have larger audiences that I just think need to be more mindful. I think anybody with a really large audience 
I'm hoping is being more intentional about what they're doing and what they're saying. And I definitely have seen progress. Um, I still see kind of the tweets that seem to be fired off. It just, I don't think, and even though we are a small community within that, we do have people who are a bigger influence. You know, it's, we're not talking about somebody who's reaching millions, but they're still reaching, you know, tens of thousands of people. And if, if they send out kind of tweets with the misinformation or without the full picture, that's what gets remembered. Um, even if they come around on what they did wrong or, or things that they might have missed, the correction never gets as much attention as the initial does. And I think that because of that, I think larger creators, especially in general, and I mean, I, I, I don't think that this is just a large creator thing. I think all creators need to be aware of how intentional they're being and what choices they're making. Um, you know, I, even the idea of uh, uh, podcasts or, or people that are working together, having the idea of a mission statement, like what do you want your cast to stand for? What do you want your projects to be? Um, they're going to be letting you have at least something that's shaping you or guiding you so that if people start asking these questions about like, Hey, you said you were going to have increased diversity. What have you actually done to it? You can, you can talk about it. Like if you get asked about this stuff, I think it's, 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 and I think it's totally okay to, for people to ask like, Hey, you know, you, it doesn't seem like you're inviting very diverse guests. It doesn't seem like you're making the, these efforts. Um, you know, to have an answer of like, well, these are the efforts that we're taking. These are the thoughts that we've put into it. We may still not be hitting that. We may still not be there 100%. Um, these are what we are doing. Um, and I, I do think it's a matter of you need to be able to say what you're doing. Even if you didn't succeed, even if you fail, what were the efforts you took? And I think that that becomes, I think, the transparency piece that, that comes into it is, um, I don't know. I just think it's, it's been tough, I know, for, you know, Alex and I talked about this when everything kind of happened. We, you know, we are two white, you know, people from Minneapolis. And so, you know, we wanted to look at who we were highlighting, who we were inviting on, and how we could expand that without it seeming like what we were doing was we've, we've talked a lot about this, about not wanting it to ever feel that it was tokenizing or that we were asking people to teach us. Um, and what we had to do was realize that what we was to like, look at people whose work we respected and admired and saw, okay, well, was, is there a logical connection where they would want to work with us? And then we approached and just said, kind of like, Hey, here's what we're kind of pitching as a collaboration. Like, we would love to have you on. What do you want to talk about? What do you want to have people be more aware of? Um, and I think that's just, it's like, it's hard to talk about because it's just, I feel awkward talking about it as a white male. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Trying to think. <laughs> no, yeah. It's, I get. I don't disagree with you on that. I'm also a white male, so it's hard to get that kind of. It's hard to take a stance from an experience standpoint, just because we don't have that experience. 
I'll say I think that a big part of that too has been, um, you know, being uncomfortable if if people point out blind spots that I might have. When I was younger, my response would have been to be very defensive. Um, I, I completely understand that it was, and you know, this is where I do think the benefit of being older in the community has allowed me to be open about, like you know, um, my own journey with confronting privilege and confronting with where my blind spots were. And I think that I, 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 I am still like, I still am always going to have blind spots. I also now when people, if people give feedback or people have criticisms, I want to make sure that I'm incorporating them. And I think that we're still at the stage in a lot of the community that getting that criticism there is a need to want to say, no, 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 that isn't me. I'm not like that. And instead of actually saying, okay, well, why might that be perceived in that way? We spoke earlier about the fact that one of the big focuses, aside from the diversity and community engagement for y'all's pod, is mental health, positive mental health portrayal and elimination of mental health stigma. Um, in fact, if memory serves, y'all did all of May of last year, as part of Mental Health Awareness Month, you did episodes on mental health and stigma. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So they were all um, on uh, mental health in general uh, with with really wanting to emphasize stigma and kind of what are the steps that we can start taking towards challenging that. Right. Um, because stigma is, is to kind of the biggest you know, if I have to take break, break down all the things that I think are difficult about mental health, I think that stigma ends up playing one of the biggest roles in people asking for help or not asking for help. Right. And in regards to tougher mental health, it's not really a secret that over the last year, uh, not just the magic community, of course, but we, being that we interact with it, we see in the magic community, mental health has taken, uh, to put it lightly, a few hits over the last year or so. Um, I'm not going to, I don't want to say how are, what are some tips and tricks, because that's not right. But using your experience, what would you suggest as some ways to help people you know, push through because we can sort of see a finish line in the future, possibly with the vaccine rolled out um, with states opening, whether they should or not. Um, what do what would you suggest to help? Well, I mean, I think in general, this is a hard question to even ask because it's 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 very personalized. And I think that that is where um, so one of the episodes that we did and it was right at the beginning of this I mean, May was not that far into it. Uh, we did one on mental health recovery. And, you know, it kind of makes the the, the, the the discussion was really how everybody is in recovery from something. The idea of mental health recovery is really this idea of taking a approach to mental health that is very much based not just on illness, but is based on wellness. And it's based on kind of being able to, to, to look at yourself and to, to be able to notice, okay, well, what are the signs that I'm doing well? What are the signs that I'm not doing well? Um, a lot of mental health and mental health treatment in general is very much based on kind of, I would say a lot more awareness and bringing awareness to the things that you didn't have awareness to before. 
uh, you know, the old adage of you don't know what you don't know, I think applies a lot of times to people's mental health. And, you know, the, the things that might seem to be, you know, after the fact, like, well, that was a no brainer. They don't, they don't make sense if you're not used to paying attention to it. If you're not used to paying attention to your emotional state, if you're not used to paying attention to your thoughts and slowing down and actually thinking about thinking, um, these aren't easy skills to do. And so one of the things that I, I always encourage anybody to do, and like I said, this is just a focus on wellness, is to look at yourself and say, well, what are my warning signs that I am not doing well? Uh, and then what are the things that I know help me when I am starting to go down that path? Or what are the things that I'm doing consistently when I am doing well? And with the pandemic, it becomes, you know, I'm thinking, especially with this, it becomes, how do I get creative with that? Um, Because, you know, for, for instance, (laughs) if being, if going and spending time with friends in person is one of your main coping strategies, that becomes a lot more difficult to do. And, some of the things that we've been kind of seeing the longer and longer a pandemic goes is I think that there becomes almost kind of that learned helplessness approach to it where it just becomes kind of the longer it goes, it doesn't mean that it's easier. I, you know, I think that it's almost like a bell-shaped curve. At the, at the beginning, none of us really knew what we were doing. There was a very real panic and fear, or at least I would say that there was a lot of unknowns and uncertainty. And then I think we probably hit a period where maybe – we kind of thought we had figured things out. We kind of thought that it wasn't going to be too long. And the longer that that kept going, I think it starts like feeding itself. And I think that that's where we're at right now, at least from what I am seeing. And so it really does become being able to ask yourself, well, what are the just day-to-days? Um, what are the simple things that I know are important to me? Even if it's something as simple as my wife and I every night do before uh, bed. Actually, now we do it with our daughter. Even though she's only two, we're trying to like kind of model in some ways that we do three good things that happen during the day at dinner time, as well as one thing that we're looking forward to tomorrow. And those don't have to be, you know, I always say like, this is something that's just about the idea of kind of gratitude or just the concept of um, just being able to shift the attention away because a lot of us really we want to vent. We want to be able to process. We want to be able to talk through all the negative. And then at the same time, we don't balance that. And so if it is even me just remembering, like, I had a really good cup of coffee while I sat in front of my computer before the day started. Um, it's it just, what is something that happened that I can point to? That's like one thing that I can think of that like my wife and I have really tried to incorporate over the last year. In addition to your work with the magic community as far as mental health goes and I, I say work with uh, i guess interaction with the magic community <laughs> and the yeah yes it's, it's definitely I, I not a professional that, yeah. thing for me right your <laughs> your involvement with the magic community as far as the addressing of mental health and mental health stigma goes professionally you work with veterans in that same capacity uh, mm-hmm. And it's even gotten so far yeah. as to you managed to get a you managed to get job approval to start a D and D group with vets. Um, could you? Yeah. First of all, how did yeah. you get the government agree to anything? And secondly, <laughs> tell just tell us how that's been going. So 
I have to give full credit here to um, one of the trainees. So uh, I work with a, a trainee um, uh, who last year when she was doing her internship at our hospital uh, proposed this because, and the reason I got involved actually was because um, when I had been an intern, the funny part about this was I, you know, I think at my work, it is very much known that like, if it's geeky, you know, Hobbes is probably the person you start with. Um, and so when I was an intern, um, I got a Magic the Gathering group up and running in a day treatment program that we have. And it was kind of one of those things that everybody kind of laughed about it. And I don't know how serious I was taken at that point. It was just more kind of like, a, I really do feel like it was kind of like, well, it's not going to hurt anything, point of, you know, view. Um but I got it up and running and we had interest in it and we had people that wanted to play. And I kept trying to explain to people, like, I think you're not really understanding. And well, I don't know when this episode is going to be coming out, but the next episode of the Goblin Lord pod, at least from my time frame, is with Greg um, Sablon, who is from the uh, CAG. He's a new member of the CAG who's representing basically military culture within magic or within our community and in within commander. And my point has always been, this is, you know, I don't think other providers that I work with know just how big gaming and geek culture is within the military. And I don't think, I think they do now. I do think that that is shifting. I don't think that it was, especially eight years ago when I did my group, it was not really on people's radar uh, among other professionals. So the last year, the student went to the training directors of our program and was like, I have this idea. And she was uh, newer to D&D. She had actually done some research into this already, found some other VAs that had basically been piloting this. And we are still very much in the early stages of any of this using tabletop games for actual therapy um and so she basically was told to like reach out to me and see if i was willing to supervise and because i being you know me and them actually saying as you said uh like we were able to do i think a lot of this under the guise of the fact that it's training and our hospital is very big on trainees and so it was a lot about like teaching about how do you propose a group how do you get things because we had to run this by we had to run this by mental health executive like we had to go and present it to like the program managers with like data to back up like hey gaming actually has a place in therapy here's the early research and then we're on our fourth cohort of doing this um we've been running basically 12-week campaigns um aimed at really helping with social anxiety so it's a lot about teaching social skills and then the idea is you you basically are doing these things within the game world as your character and then we kind of have a end of the group process of like well you know what is this like it's, it's actually kind of funny but a lot of it is similar to the goblin lore and that it, it's like we have the gameplay and then we have okay now how are you going to take this to the real world or how does this apply to the real world and i think that being able to frame that, especially for our younger veterans in in this way, has meant that we are now on the second year of this project. And, you know, 
we're now being asked as this is this trainee is finishing up and may or may not be able to get a job just depending on if our hospital is hiring we are still getting asked well how do we keep this going even if that person isn't still here mm-hmm. and i think that that's just huge compared to where we were you know seven eight years ago when i started this that there was no my group was a one-off group there was no discussion about like how would you like to continue this or would you now it is saying like we're seeing benefits from this already that's at the bare minimum remarkably impressive to just hear about something like that happening um we're going in a wildly different direction this time. You all just hit your 100th episode. So you basically have been listening to the Goblin Lore podcast is what I'm hearing. Going off in random <laughs> left turns is kind of our well, I did finish the I did finish the Autumn Lily episode today. Um, <laughs> uh, Princess Lily. Princess Lily, excuse me, right? I'm sorry. People's names blend really yeah. well in my head. Um, yeah. That's okay. There's, <laughs> you you all just hit uh, your hundredth episode w- a few weeks back, so you've all gone through things as deep as the mental health stigma or as diversity in the game to as equally important but much sillier sounding things like is a hot dog a sandwich and <laughs> what are the best sandwiches in the multiverse? Um. Mm-hmm. in in any spirit really what is it that you that you and alex and sometimes chase hope to see the pod do in the future what are some what are some things that you all would like to do or goals you would like to achieve i mean it's just funny because i think that for a long time i mean I, we're we're now like enough that people talk about you know people have said things like you know like use the word established cast and I think that you know Alex and I when we did the the two year anniversary we talked about kind of like the lessons we've learned and we did talk a lot about that about having to come to grips with the fact that you know this this is now something that we are you know months away from being into our third year. Um, I will say that we have a planning document that we've had since day one and episodes ideas just keep getting added to it, not really subtracted from it. Um, I, we really don't think there would like, that's one of the things we look at is just kind of like, okay, well, you know, what, what would be like the timeline on how long we can go? And it's like, I think we can go as long as we still f- feel that we are putting out stuff that is interesting and exciting. Um, I mean, we've had a lot over the last year, both with uh, Joe leaving the cast, which has been just a little over a year ago, um, and now where we really have, um, we moved a little bit more away from heavier lore because Alex and I were not as strong in it. And I think that we'll see still see some of that. Um, there was also the fact that we moved away from lore because of the treatment lore was getting and just in you know, from the War of the Spark debacle and the Chandra Nissa that followed that was just stuff that we were very unhappy about. I mean, those those were really the things that ultimately led to Joe leaving the cast. And I think that because of that, I think we're going to see a lot more focus just in the community with a continued emphasis on diversity. Um, 
we still feel very, very committed to that is, you know, when we plan, we are trying to reach out to new guests. We're trying to reach out to people whose voices maybe we haven't heard as much from, but who are people that we really respect. And um, I think that you're still going to see silliness out of us. I mean, we we do embrace the fact that this is, you know, there, there's a lot about goblins that I think that when we started this cast, I wasn't definitely not as steeped into goblins as I was now. And, you know, it started out as just kind of like, well, that's a great framework. The card name's perfect. It works for our personalities. The more we've gotten into this, it's just, you know, like, I, I really believe in goblins. And so, like, you're going to see more <laughs> goblins. But, I mean, it, I think the goblin nature um, allows us to the fact that we want to have lighthearted episodes. We want to talk about flavor text. We want to talk about color pies of pies and color pie of food in general. And finding ways to intersperse that with, I think, a willingness or a sincerity to talk about tough issues. I mean, as you said, we, we've we talked about suicide openly. Um, I think that that is something that, I don't know, I think that's one of the reasons that we're still doing this is we want to be able to tackle these things that we fully admit are uncomfortable for us to talk about. Um because if they're uncomfortable for us to talk about, other people are thinking about them and are probably also having a hard time talking about them. I mean, that's one of the things that we talked about on the suicide episode. I mean, one of the first things you learn in kind of mental health is you ask people about suicidal ideation. You just ask them. You don't hem and haw. You don't try to, you don't try to make it any more awkward or downplay it or try to make it seem like you're uncomfortable because the fact of the matter is, you know, research has shown consistently, you're not going to make somebody think, you're not going to put some idea into their head that they weren't already thinking about. I'm not going to, if I ask somebody, if you're thinking about suicide, I'm not going to make them go, well, no, I hadn't been. And now I'm going to go do it. And I think that that is one of those things that is why we need to have these conversations is because these a lot of the stuff that we talk about on the show I think are things that resonate because people are having the thoughts about them and they are the things that sometimes don't get openly talked about, especially with mental health. All right. Uh, that's about all the time we have for this episode. Um where can people find you to follow yourself and the podcast? Yeah. So, um, I can be found, um, on Twitter at Hobbs Q. The cast is at goblin lore pod. Um, my co-host Alex is at Mel underscore chronicler and chase can be found at manic herbs. It was kind of our, we, we, we just joke at this point. Uh, she has been on more episodes besides, me and Alex or Joe. So, I mean, I mean, it, it's at this point, we cannot consider her a guest host. She is just too integral to our cast. So, uh, at manic hers when in and amongst all of her busy things. Um, so that's where you can find all of us. Yeah. All right. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. <laughs>